you think when you see stuff that normal people don't nor- normally see, that becomes your reality, no matter where you go after that. Today, we talked to student and armed forces veteran, William Dover, about his personal journey to ACC. William will share some of his experiences in the military, and we advise caution for sensitive listeners. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, where to start? Uh, grew up in, in Northwest Houston. Um, I graduated from Jersey Village High School. Um, kind of started out in the oil field after I got married in 89. Uh, worked out of Friendswood uh, for my uncle, owned an oil field business there. And uh, first year of marriage was kind of the still the worst year that I've ever been through, but uh, made it through. And then from there, uh, joined the military in 93. So why did you decide to join the military? Well, uh, I've heard, always heard stories of family that's been in the military. Um, you know, my grandfather was in the military, uh, had uncles, and my dad wasn't able to go. So, you know, I love my country, and, and you know, back in, in the 80s, it was pretty patriotic, you know, with the Cold War and stuff. So I decided, hey, you know, I wanted to get in there and, and do something to better myself. Growing up without good example of a dad, you kind of kind of long for that leadership and that way of, of growing into being a man that you want to be. So kind of like a vision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I went in and uh, you know made the best of it. You know you hear horror stories about the military. So I went in there with this high expectation and uh, just tried to conquer anything that, that came my way and I actually did decent at it. So, so and so what branch were you in? What? I was in the army. Okay. And what was your like field or what was your position? So uh, I was what they call a 67 Victor, 67 Tango, which is an air, uh, aircraft crewman uh, repair okay. uh, mechanic, if, if you will. And that was on the scout observation helicopter. And that was also on the Black Hawk. Okay. So, which I had loads of fun <laughs> <laughs> working on those and flying and stuff. So. And, you know, and part of it was uh, being ready at a moment's notice to go on a, uh, a mission. They would call you, simulate, call out, or deployment. So you would have to go up to the airfield, get the bird ready, go on a mission for about mm-hmm. four or five hours, and then come back and call it a day. So Now, when you enlisted, <clears throat> did you ever really think you were going to get that phone call one day and you were going to have to suit up and head out? You know, you don't really think about it. You just go through the motions and you practice that every day because you know that there could you be You always know it's possible. It's always possible. Kind of like a firefighter. Sure, <laughs> like you yeah. Know. Yeah, and it's, and it's kind of like in school when you, you go through fire drills uh, periodically. Once uh, you go through so many drills, it, it just becomes embedded in your mind that it's, it's a possibility. A small chance, but... Okay, well, when that finally came around, what did you, uh, well, you think? Well, it was... Uh, I think the adrenaline started pumping for about eight months. <laughs> it, you know, it was exciting. It was kind of scary at the same time. And, uh, but once you get in the heart of it, all of that stuff goes away. And it's all about survival. It's all about watching your buddy next to and hoping they got your back too. So, for where were you stationed at when you got there? Bahrain. Mm-hmm. I was over over there in Bahrain, and then you know we kind of little rear detachment camps all around mm-hmm. so uh, just wherever we were called for 
And our main mission was, you know, we had uh, QRF, which Quick Reaction Force, and other scout un- uh, mobility units out there that, you know, we were called in need extraction. Hey, mm-hmm. we were, you know, it wasn't us every time, mm-hmm. but it was something that that we were there for. Mm-hmm. So we would go in, personnel, Black Hawk, and pick up small squads, bring them back. And uh, that was primarily the goal, keep the bird running. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> how was your experience there? Because a lot of people, when they think about the first Cold War, they don't think a lot about combat from it because, you know, in the minds of the public anyway, that was all very short-lived. It's a lot easier now. Because I've I've, went, I've gone through the uh, trauma therapy through mm-hmm. the VA and uh, had some good doctors that worked with me, and at one point in time I just kept my head buried in work for so long and just kind of dealt with kind of when you got back past trauma, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was told back when I got out, hey, you know, you go seek counseling. No, oh, I'm okay, you know. Soldier's heart, they call it. Yeah, and um, so it wasn't until you know three marriages later, you know. You got to take a gut check and look and say, "Hey, maybe I'm the I'm the problem." And sure enough, it wasn't nobody's fault. It was just I was dealing with demons that, uh, at the time, I thought was normal. But well, the tragedy is for some people it is normal. It is, yeah. It becomes norm, uh, you know, your normal life once you get out because you think when you see stuff that normal people don't normally see. That becomes your reality, yeah. even no matter where you go after that. And it's no different than facing the trauma here at home. You know, it makes you gun shy, mm-hmm. so to speak, of whatever hurt you or caused you that emotional pain to get back on that horse and ride it, so to say. But over there, we were, you know, the briefings were good. We knew what to expect for the most part. And you don't. You can sit there and say, yeah, okay, yeah, we're gung-ho until the bombs start dropping. And that's something that you don't plan on ever experiencing, you know. Well, um, no amount of training or preparation is going to no, no, um, gear you up for that. I mean, no, there's just still no way around it. Exactly. So, you know, I had a buddy that got shot three times that came up to me, and I had to patch him up until the medics got there. Not only when did I get trained to work on helicopters, but I was able to take a six-week combat medic course. Uh, It was called Combat Lifesaver. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to something like that, people can be there right there to assist you, to help comfort you and and pack wounds and Mm -hmm. and splint legs or whatever until the medics actually get there and get to, to imagine that adds an extra amount of pressure to you though being in those situations well you know, uh, they're going to turn to you when yeah and you know it, it's 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 surprising how you react in those situations you know oh my gosh he's he's shot he's bleeding and you don't want to see nobody die whether you're in a war whether you're at home so you just jump on it you, you just kick in and react and and uh, thank thank goodness I found out later that, that he did survive. So that was good. Uh, in another instance, uh, we were running up to go on a mission, and uh, the flight surgeon, he was a warrant officer for, went out to talk to the refueler, and uh, gust of wind came down and caught the main rotor blades, and uh, he was decapitated mm-hmm. right there in front of us. So, you know, a lot of it's – what I experienced was some of it was 
friendly fire. Mm-hmm. Some of it was just getting caught in the action is the best way I could put it. There's other things that happen, you know, that uh, it kind of just makes you kind of ticked off. When, so so why anger? I mean, and I'm not saying you shouldn't go to that, but why for you was it straight to anger? So, you know, when you think about you and your friends hang out and it's kind of like, hey, what would you do if this happened? What would you do if this happened? You know, and you you just kind of just blurt out something because you in your mind it'll never happen. Well, in that case. And even if it did, you had no idea what you would yeah, actually you do. Would, <laughs> yeah, you don't know <laughs> what you would actually do. But when you do things that's, that's asked of you to do that you never think in a thousand years you would ever do or have the mind to do. It, it, You're angry it, for being in that situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To have to make that decision. Yeah, exactly. And to follow those orders, which, you know, you, you have a contract with the government to do what they tell you to do. People don't know that in a wartime, it's still part of the UCMJ that if you don't, follow orders in a wartime that's desertion and desertion could lead to you know yeah um legal legal complications well not just that but if it's in a wartime in another country you can be executed on the spot at at some point so so you know you just you do the best you can with what you got and in, in that situation and then but all too all too common is uh, bringing it back with you, you know. So it's so, not like what happens in Vegas stays in right, Vegas. Right, right. You know, it's it's you you carry it with you, and it affects your your family, it affects your friends, and any other relationship anywhere that you go in life. So the fighting stops outside. Mm-hmm. You know, they tell you, okay, you're done, go home. What was for you when you got home? What was your and I know it may seem obvious, but what was the obstacles that you had to kind of move forward with your life when you got home and you had to turn all that off? Well, I think the obstacle was being able to turn it off. Really? Okay. And um, and I say that is, uh, you know, when you come home, you, you go through debriefing and uh, a little bit of counseling, mm-hmm. you know, and they kind of tell you, hey, you did good, you know, but in your mind, you question, right. did, did I really do good? And at that point in time, you know, you know lives have been lost. You know that you feel guilty because you made it. Mm-hmm. Other people didn't. And uh, and you, you and it's baggage. It's emotional baggage, and it's a roller coaster. You get pumped up, and then you get sad, and, you know, just it's a revolving door of emotion, especially when you've got to put on a smile mm-hmm. for your wife and kids and try not to let them see that. Unfortunately, in my situation, they, they did see it. And it's like a drug, the anger and the rage. You know, you can't, you can't hold it back sometimes, you know, because it gets too much, too much built up on you. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I've described to my psychologist that it's, it's much like what you see with the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. You know, you're this David Banner all alone, and you're happy being alone. And then when people come in and, and start dictating what you do and all that, that monster just comes out, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, it took me some failed friendships and relationships to know that I needed to get it under control when I was 
diagnosed with PTSD, major chronic PTSD and major depressive disorder. I got the help that I needed that I couldn't otherwise afford. <laughs> but, but it's made me a better person and I suffered a lot of physical ailments internally and externally. Found out I had diabetes, kidney disease, low thyroid. There was a time over there where I caught hypothermia mm -hmm. and uh, was hospitalized for that. So, you know, it's not just the conflict aspect of it. It's, you know, you're going from a certain way of life to something totally different mm -hmm. for a, a length of time. So you're adjusting to that as well. It's a lot going through your mind yeah. before, during, and after. And it just, you know, and going back to school is, uh, has been a challenge in itself because without the, the counseling, you know, my wires would probably still be crossed a little bit. <laughs> you know, I've lost a lot of my memory. You know, I'm backwards in high school. Mm -hmm. I was no good at English. But I was real good at math. Now I'm in college. I'm real good at English, not in math. Yeah, but, you know, things are starting to add up. Start, things are starting to come together. You know, I patched some things up with family. I was able to uh, have somewhat of a social life now. Being in school, talking to some of the, the younger generation, getting their perspective on things and, and stuff like that, and, and answering questions that they may have. Yeah, and after I got out, worked in the oil field, so that was a pretty rough, you know, I was right up my alley, you know. So, so I was going to say, so what... Where were you at just as a person when you decided, okay, you know what? I've had enough of this. I need to go to school and find a better direction. Where, well, where, where were you at in that moment? A lot of the problems that I've had that I was facing led me to be homeless. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was homeless for a couple of years. And I ended up staying at a uh, place called the Warriors Refuge uh, that was a, uh, a shelter for homeless vets. And it was at that point in time where... Yeah, I was still trying to figure my life out, you know. I've had, you know, all these failed relationships, facing all this anger. But it was a, a good time in my life to be able to kind of roll it back a little bit, take some time to think, and it just comes to realization I needed help. So I went and got the help, and things started rolling. You know, they told me, hey, you know, we went through your medical records, and I filled out paperwork for the VA, and according to their criteria, I'm 80% disabled because of the chronic PTSD. And being a, a wartime veteran, it's very hard to find a job, <laughs> even though there's been several laws passed by Obama and in, in the Bushes and that, you know, people are scared of veterans coming back. Because they fear this volatility, yeah, yeah. I guess. And, and I get it. I mean, I really get it, you know. I mean, hey, hire me. I'll, I'll show you my completion paperwork, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, it's been hard, and, you know, but, you know, I've, I've made a, a fight and comeback, overcoming some of this, uh, getting back on my feet, and then learning, hey, you never used your job bill, so we, we're going to put you on the Chapter 31 and, and get you back to school if that's what you want. And, and, of course, that's where I started getting fired up about getting my life back together, you know, so. So how did you end up settling at ACC? What was it about ACC that you kind of felt like this was a way to pick up and move forward? You know, I'm just going to tell you, it's just how I landed, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the homeless shelter for veterans is over in West Columbia, and which is not too far from Anglerton. Right. So I was living there. I had some money, got, 
you know, where I was getting my disability, saved up some money, bought a car, waiting for paperwork to go through, which took a while, while COVID's here. Once I got approved for school and all of that, I was working part-time, a night shift there. I said, hey, I need to get down to the basics first because I had really nothing behind me except for my military record to really get me in the door. And so you're kind of starting from scratch then as far yeah, as your education. Was yeah, concerned. exactly. And, you know, I grew up poor. So Did that you was, find that daunting? Just kind of looking at the mountain thinking, man, this is, <laughs> this is a long climb. And No, I'm, a, I'm just going to be, be blunt with you. When I thought of school, I, I didn't like school when I was in high school, but I was good at it. I mean, I did what I needed to do. And going back to school was a pretty good challenge. I mean, when you've already, how can I put this? When you've already had your wounds sewed up and blood splattered in your face, textbooks don't look all that bad. <laughs> so so did you, you know, we have some veteran <clears throat> services here at the college. Were you able to get a lot of assistance through them? I, you know, I, I, when I first got here, uh, Brenda Farmer helped me out. She was uh, kind of the go-between between between the VA and ACC. And then she made it seamless for me to get my foot in the door and get registered and get my books and stuff uh, last semester. And then this semester is when I found out a little bit more, talked to uh, a couple of veterans that told me about the group meeting that once a month. And then this morning I had a meeting with Brett Haddock and Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about some of the uh, resources that's being offered here at ACC. So it has been a, a good experience for me here because 20, 25 years of being alone in your own mind and you see people that are so willing to help and and kind of have some understanding of uh, what we kind of go through. Even after you've been home a while, you can still get trapped mm-hmm. in, in your mind if you don't get help. And I think, that, you know, that's the one thing that, that I kind of reach out to my veteran brothers over at the refuge and, and lend a hand there to them because there's some that, that they're the same boat. You know, homeless veterans, easily discarded. Hey, they got mental problems or whatever. And it's not mental problems, it's emotional problems. And that's where I think the public doesn't have a good sense of, you know, the trauma. And trauma is emotional, it's not mental. Somebody shoots you and you're not going to get, become schizophrenic from it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah, just the awareness. I brought my emotional support dog up here to classes with me. The support from the staff has been amazing. The students, uh, you know, hey, don't feed her, don't pet her during class, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. But everybody in my classes have, you know, heeded to that and have shown that respect. And it just makes me more fired up to get up and go to school when you don't have nothing to worry about. So what program did you decide to go into? What, what, what path did you choose? I chose computer science. So I'm going for my associate's of science degree here and hopefully because and another reason I chose ACC because that program bridges to a university like University, university of Houston, University of Texas. And uh, talking to some, uh, my instructor, Ms. LaBeouf, she was saying, hey, whenever you get done, there's information there that she's willing to help out how to bridge over to U of H Clear Lake. That, so that's real helpful. How did you settle on computer science? Well, long story short, I guess, is I I was the operations manager for Halliburton for a few years. And part of my my job description was I had 24 to 36 employees under me. 
and everything was done by computer. And so while that district was short on IT people, I took a crash course on setting up networking and stuff on it. So I was like, you know what? This is this is pretty fun. This is pretty pretty easy. Kind of enjoy the technical aspect of it. Yeah, I do. And, you know, I'm a gadget guy. You know, I got the iWatch. I got the Xbox, you know, that kind of stuff. So <laughs> anything with wires and a controller, you know, kind of kind of tickles me a little bit. But, yeah, I just kind of got good. And, you know, that's modern era. I'm getting up there in age. So if we want to be able to survive. It's starting to get more challenging than it used to be. It's about, I mean, yeah. Yeah, somebody wanted me uh, to go and, and do a QR code, and I was like, nah, if you ain't got a menu, I don't <laughs> I'll eat somewhere else. <laughs> given your past, mm-hmm. given your journey, given where you're at right now, mm-hmm. how do you feel about your outlook long-term? Long-term, um, I tell you, I'm more motivated now than I was, and there's a lot at the end of the tunnel. You know, hats off to the medical staff at the Houston VA sitting in with me every week. You know, letting me know. Just changing my way of thinking and giving a different perspective. And just having people that care is is huge. Having somebody in your corner telling you it's going to be okay. And I, can, I think that's what we all need. And that's why I still volunteer because they need to know that there's a life outside, you know, of the war that's going on in your head. And there's ways to calm that down. And there's ways to, to get back to where we were before all that happened. So, And for me, it's just picking up, carrying on, uh, getting my college education, getting back out in the workforce, you know, being part of society. Tell me kind of what you've been doing with other veterans and reaching out to help them. You know, you kind of feel like you've fixed your course a little bit. Have you been reaching out to other veterans you feel might be in the same boat where you were years ago and – yeah, and you know, like I said, it's an emotional thing, and even with emotions, it's hard to think straight. It's hard to got, kind of gather your thoughts and, and find your direction. So part of what I've done is reached, got with some veterans. Uh, I went through, I uh, found a lot of documentation that they could use to, to help them get out of the homeless status, to be able to get some kind of income, to get help with the VA, and also to go back to school and, and, you know, give them something productive to do while they're getting the, the treatment that they need. And it's not hard to do. I mean, I go to school full time and, you know, every Tuesday at four o'clock I had my trauma therapy. So <laughs> once that was done, you know, you feel better every time, you know, and they give you exercises to do to practice changing your way of thinking definitely changes your outlook. Matter of fact, after my 18-week trauma therapy, she read me back a statement that I made at the beginning of it. It was two different people. You didn't recognize yourself? Mm -mm, I didn't. But you would say you like the person who you've become. Yeah, I do. I do. I'm a lot more caring. I care about people's feelings more. Kind of watch what I say around people. (laughs) I mean, because I have no filter. I will tell you that. And I mean, and with, with good reason, but I think just being out there and just knowing that it's going to be better from here on out. It's a night and day difference for sure. Thanks for coming to talk to us today. I know oh, yeah. it was difficult, but I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's part of what they want me to do to, to get out there and, and uh, kind of be open about it a little more, you know, and, and uh, sometimes you choke back tears, but if people can get a, a strong uh, perception 
of what we go through and have gone through and how, you know, even 25 years later, the battle still rages, you know, in the hearts and our minds of the soldiers out there. You know, even though it feels good, people saying, hey, thanks for your service, we get a totally different message in our mind. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. To read these stories and more, visit allencollege.edu.